happy Pride from Tomboy X. We just dropped our Pride 24 collection. Queer founded, queer run, and creating size and gender inclusive underwear, swimwear, and loungewear for all bodies. So you feel comfortable in your own skin. Visit TomboyX.com to shop. I'm Tracy from Stuff You Missed in History Class. Are you a small business owner or even someone who dreams of entrepreneurship? Then check out Season 2 of Mind the Business, small business success stories from iHeart Podcasts and Intuit QuickBooks. Join hosts Austin Hankwitz and Janice Torres as they interview entrepreneurs sharing insights around starting and nurturing a small business. You won't want to miss these inspiring stories of entrepreneurship and discovering ways to business differently so you can too. Planning your next trip? Choice Hotel's family of 22 brands has over 7,400 locations and the perfect hotel for any traveler you want to be. Like a Cambria Hotel, serving up locally inspired craft cocktails for all my folks who maybe want to meet up and talk about Mad Royals. Check into a Radisson Hotel with flexible workspaces for you strivers who listen during business travel. Or a Comfort Hotel with free hot breakfast, family-friendly pools, and big spacious rooms for the parents who listen with their kids and need a little retreat. What are you waiting for? Join Choice Privileges and start earning points your next stay. Find a stay for any you when you book direct at choicehotels.com, where travels come true. When you think about the future, what kind of technology do you envision? Whatever the future holds, artificial intelligence will undoubtedly be at the heart of it all. Join Graham Class as he hosts Season 2 of Technically Speaking, an Intel podcast, and hear from the minds transforming healthcare, retail, entertainment, personal computing, and more with the help of AI. Tune in every other Tuesday and explore the latest technology that's changing our world today and creating a more accessible tomorrow. Listen to Technically Speaking, an Intel podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome to Stuff You Missed in History Class from HowStuffWorks.com. Hello and welcome to the podcast. I'm editor Candice Keener, joined by staff writer Jane McGrath. Hey there. Hey, Jane. I think in today's society, it wouldn't be so crazy if the government issued a statement and said, a lot of our friends are in financial distress, and we're going to give them a whole bunch of money to bail them out and make it better. It seems uh, pretty familiar today, but something exactly like that happened um, right after World War II. Yeah, and ironically enough, we know that today uh, Europe's economy is doing, I think, a, a hair better than ours. We know at least that their unit of currency has a little bit more punch than the American dollar. But after World War II ended in 1945, the situation in Western Europe was really, really dire. We're talking about a quarter of Germany's housing and the cities was just demolished. There had been a 70% decline in the gross domestic products. And when they seemed to be slowly getting their acts back together, the winter of 1946 was so harsh that the wheat harvest was completely knocked off. And what's more, you have uh, Western Europe's neighbors over to the east trying to tempt them with the fruits of communism and socialism. Yeah, it's true. And um, not to belabor the point of how bad they were doing over in Europe, uh, but about a third of the, uh, more than a third actually, of the European industry was destroyed, which is just sort of crazy to think about. And uh, 60 million unemployed, uh, 100 million were going hungry. And there were a lot of efforts to try to improve this that didn't, it wasn't doing enough. For instance, United uh, Nations tried to help with uh, the UNRA by offering supplies, but these supplies were basically food and medical supplies. And this wasn't exactly helping them get back on the, in- the industry back on track. Right. It would sustain them, but not help them 
thrive mm-hmm. and, and flourish to pre-war levels. And we know that uh, President Truman had extended the Truman Doctrine, which said that the United States would offer support to any nation resisting authoritarian regimes. So that was significant, too. But again, we're talking about people who very desperately needed money to get things rolling again. And so on June 5th, 1947, there was a commencement ceremony at Harvard. And George Marshall was going to be receiving an honorary doctorate degree from Harvard. And he'd been asked to say a few words. And he sort of cryptically wrote in a letter that he would say a few words and maybe more. Yeah, and he his speech, I, I read it um, when I was preparing for the podcast, and it's really good. It, it just lays things out very clearly for someone to understand. And he, what he says is actually pretty familiar to stuff that you hear today in the news of, of political speeches, in that uh, he was explaining how the economic situation was enormously complex, and that the average man on the street couldn't really understand what was going wrong and how to fix it. And he laid it all out, and he said the breakdown of the business structure of Europe, Europe was complete. And basically explaining that raw materials and fuel were in short supply. The Europeans' machinery for their farming and everything like that was lacking and worn out. So basically, what you have is a situation where the farmer, uh, he can't buy the materials he needs for ready money. So what's the good of selling his produce if he can't buy what he needs? And Marshall even famously said, our policy is not directed against any country or doctrine, but against hunger, Poverty, desperation, and chaos. And who is anyone to argue with that? And he, he chose the perfect forum to do it, too. Yeah, it's interesting. People love quoting that, and I think it's a great quote because he, it shows that Marshall's trying to sort of distance himself from the effort, from the argument that this plan will um, contain communism. He wants to sort of distance himself from the politics involved in it and just sort of focus on the hunger and just the, the horrible uh, poverty that was going on. Exactly. And he knew that it was going to take a lot of effort to get people in Washington to get on board with the Marshall Plan, what later came to be known as the um, the European Economic Recovery Plan. Is that right? Yeah, and it was known as the Marshall Plan in the news. I, I think I read that Marshall himself didn't really like calling it the Marshall Plan. Obviously, right. it was a joint effort. There were lots of people involved. He didn't exactly write every word of it. It was known as Marshall's Plan because he did uh, advocate it and, and uh, uh, campaign for it so vigorously. Right. So on that very famous day at Harvard, uh, during the commencement ceremony, he knew who he was going to be talking to. He was going to be talking to a captive audience, people who were, you know, pretty friendly, and the media. So the idea was to get them on board with this plan first, and then any adversaries in Washington. And, of course, people balked when they heard the numbers involved with this plan. And the United States had actually asked Europe, how much money do you think you need over how many years to get things back on track? And Europe had said $29 billion. And they didn't really have a a set system as to how they were going to delineate these funds and how it was actually going to work to support the European economies. What the Marshall Plan was doing was saying that $13 billion in aid would be given to Western European countries over the span of four years. And that was still a pretty tough pill to swallow. Yeah, Marshall, after he got this agreement from from the European countries who got together to do it, like Candace mentioned, um, it, was a, it was a part of a condition that the European countries had to say what they wanted rather than the U.S. coming in and saying, we're going to give you X amount. So once that got figured 
figure it out, Marshall still had to come back to the U.S. and argue in front of Congress to say for them to pass this this uh, this bill. And so he went on a tour around the country. In addition to speaking in testimony in front of Congress, he wanted to win over the public, and he gave a, a tour of speeches to promote the plan to, to unions, like businessmen and farmers, etc. And I was reading on a website that was established for the 50th anniversary of the Marshall Plan. It was a website sponsored by USAID. And the website was explaining that basically you had two different camps of people who were opponents of the Marshall Plan. You had people on the right who thought it was a type of global New Deal. And then you had people on the other side who thought that the United States was going to go into Europe and act like it was trying to control the countries, trying to colonize them, trying to impose its powers and its ways of doing things. But I think that's what's so significant about Marshall being proactive. He didn't just offer people a helping hand and say, hey, I'm going to scoop you up. He made the countries do the work and say how exactly they were going to formulate their own plans once they had the financial assistance to do so. Yeah, and the isolationists had a point. I mean, obviously, we had this tradition in America ever since Washington's uh, speech that we shouldn't get entangled in foreign affairs, and, and the isolationists were afraid of this happening, and so were the Soviets, actually. And that's oh, definitely. Yeah, the Soviets were very scared of this. They, initially, um, the U.S. was going to include the USSR in this aid, but the Soviets pulled themselves out really early in the plan because they didn't, they saw this whole plan as basically the U.S. trying to exert its own influence over Europe, and they didn't want to be involved in it. They didn't want to be controlled by U.S. holding their purse strings, basically. Right, and I think the Soviets, trying to think from their perspective for a minute here, you know, their country had been ravaged as well, and according to the the ideal principles of communism, speaking just theoretically here for a moment, the idea to work for the common good, to share what resources there were, it wasn't a terrible idea. It's just that communism and practice, as we know, didn't work out so well for the Soviet Union. And I think that these ideologies were filtering West, and we know for sure that there were communist uprisings in uh, Czechoslovakia, and then even a small one in France and Italy, and there was one that uprose in Greece, and the Greek government was so fast and strong to squelch it that that's what really got the United States thinking, we should be helping out Western Europe. They are making an effort to contain communism, and we do need to give them aid. Yeah, and there was this theory known as the domino theory that when one country felt under communist rule, that the surrounding neighboring countries would succumb to it, basically, that the influence would spread um, geographically. And you have to think, because these countries are so tightly packed together on the European continent, they're trading with each other. You know, they're all passing through one another. They're all in a really bad situation. So it was entirely plausible that that could Mm -hmm. happen. But in Washington, I, I think a pretty big development came when a senator named Arthur Vandenberg, he was the chairman of the Foreign Relations Committee. He got on board with the Marshall Plan, and he was known for being someone who took a strict isolationist policy. And he was quoted as saying, in the name of peace, stability, and freedom, it deserves prompt passage. In the name of intelligent American self-interest, it envisions a mighty undertaking worthy of our faith. And that presented a, a unique perspective, uh, the idea that if you are truly an intelligent, hardworking American who wants to see the fruits of your labor, you're going to want to piece Europe back together because in the end, it's going to benefit you. 
Mm-hmm. And that's the kind of math that Americans like to hear. Am I right? Yeah, that's true. And it's important to note some of the hard things that even, you know, everyone was well-intentioned. They didn't want to see this hunger and poverty go on in Europe. But at the same time, Marshall had to answer questions to Congress like, can American farmers even support it? Do do we have the, the facilities we have to sustain ourselves and Europe? So ultimately, the plan was put into practice. And it was meant to continue for four years. And it actually got shut down a little early on December 31st, 1951, because that's when the Korean War really took off. And also Europe was showing such improved progress that the United States felt like it was time to sort of shut it down. And we'd at that moment established a precedent of United States foreign relations Yeah, and it's curious, some of the uh, reverberating effects of the Marshall Plan, some good, some not so good. For instance, the Soviets, when they pulled out, um, they started offering their own version called the Molotov Plan to their eastern blocs, and they sort of lifted the curtain, uh, or the the Iron Curtain, uh, the famous um, term that refers to their uh, control of the eastern bloc nations. And so... Us offering this Marshall Plan to try to contain communism also contained communism in that block in a way. But there are some really good effects as well. I mean, arguably, the Marshall Plan set the stage for military cooperation of things like the European uh, Union and North Atlantic Treaty Organization. Definitely. And we saw West Germany starting to rearm again, to restock its arsenals and to rebuild its housing. And um, no European nations ever fully succumbed to communism. And then we see that uh, the gross domestic product is back up. Industries are producing again. And so overall, the Marshall Plan, while not fully realized mm-hmm. in its length and its original parameters, it was a success. And Marshall went on to be awarded the Nobel Prize, too. Yeah. And there's very few things that I think we can say about, you know, these political uh, plans in the 20th century that they were a huge success. Like, nobody ever says that about anything but the Marshall Plan. <laughs> yeah, it was it was a pretty huge success. And ironically enough, if you look at today and um, right now, as we're recording this podcast, we know that the G20 summit is is occurring um, over in Europe and conditions in Europe, like we said, are arguably a little better than they are in the United States. We had said back during the time of post-World War II that we wouldn't talk to nations who were involved with communism. And now one of the biggest players in the world economy is China, mm-hmm. a communist nation. Sure. So it's really important, I think, to know the history of foreign relations and foreign aid so that we can understand the choices and the events that are happening around us today. Yeah, and how significant it was, for instance, when Nixon uh, started recognizing China and even under the communist rule. It exactly. Was, it was huge compared to how soon after this was the uh, after the Marshall Plan. And I think there comes a point when you have to say, I, I don't agree with your politics, but I can't deny any longer that you're making a huge contribution in the world markets. True. So... We tackle modern issues like this on our blog. Even if you don't get to hear us podcast every day, you can get a little snippet of Candace and Jane on the Stuff You Missed in History Class blog. That's right. We uh, tackle news events and just things that interest us and even your mail every Friday. Um, if you uh, write in for a suggestion for a podcast that we're not able to do immediately, we'll often write a blog about it. So check that out. We do. So if you want to read more about the Marshall Plan or World War II or any of the communist leaders who tried to shut down the Marshall plan, be sure to check out our website at HowStuffWorks.com. For more on this and thousands of other topics, visit HowStuffWorks.com. Let us know what you think. Send an email to podcast at HowStuffWorks.com.
Happy Pride from Tomboy X, celebrating pride and the queer community all year. Queer founded, queer run, and the makers of the original boxer briefs for women, creating sustainable size and gender inclusive underwear, swimwear, and loungewear for all bodies so you feel comfortable in your own skin. Tomboy X just dropped their Pride 24 collection. Obsessively fit tested for all day comfort in sizes three extra small through six X. Visit TomboyX.com. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine tingling shows on AE Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. This is Malcolm Gladwell from Revisionist History. eBay Motors is here for the ride. With some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Brake kits, LED headlights, whatever you need, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. There are some things that are too good to keep a secret. Like how your Amex Platinum card helps you have the perfect trip. I'd like to check into the Centurion Lounge. Or how it seems like you always get those hard-to-snag tables. Ooh, yum. And how you get the most out of select can't-miss events. With access to the Centurion Lounge, Resi Priority Notified, and Amex card member benefits at select events, you'll have to share. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex.